we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Vera SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And Ed, Free Rider Friday. Oh, always a blast, Ron. Always Absolutely. a blast. Absolutely. So you had an interesting week. Tell me about it. Oh, well, yeah. So I started off in Nashville uh, and uh, did the Sage Intact Advantage conference there for one day. Got uh, a chance to present two sessions uh, out there. One was my scope session, Ron. So it was like, you know, (laughs) Led Zeppelin doing Stairway to Heaven or Skinner doing Freebird. You know, there were were lighters. There were lighters out. Actually, it's cell phones now. You know, do Freebird, do scope, do scope. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, uh, took took down the trusted advisor, which is another one of my favorite sessions to do because there's a lot of blank stares at me after I say, "Well, all of your websites have trusted advisor on there. You got got to get rid of it." And then I tell them why. But then I had to. I, I only sp- spent one day out there because I had to get back. It was my 14th wedding anniversary and my daughter's 10th birthday on Tuesday, right. and. Yeah. Have I told you about this? I I do the this thing called the watchdogs, Ron. Mm-mm. The watchdogs. So the watchdog d- dogs is stands for dads of great students. Oh, okay. All right. So it's a program that the school has. So I get to to spend the day in school with my daughter. My son is now in middle school, so they don't do it anymore. So I'm counting down the last times I have to do this. But yeah, my favorite part of the day, Ron, is when I stand around in the cafeteria handing out plastic sporks to all the kids. That's <laughs> It's just, it's like, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh yeah. No. And, and actually it is a really good day. So, uh, I'm grateful to, to be able to get that time with her. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. And then of course, recovery from being out at conferences and stuff for two days, but, but that's great. So Ron, are you ready for free rider Friday? I am. Uh, and speaking of kids, that's my first story from Brittany Hunter in foundation okay. for economic education. The title of this, I love this. Forget lemonade stands. These kidtrepreneurs, kidtrepreneurs are running million dollar companies, Ed. Yes, yes. And, I did and, see this. It's not in my stack, but I did see it. Yeah, go ahead. Some of them are employing their parents. <laughs> now, that, you know, you think that would be the ultimate job? It wouldn't. You couldn't slack off. No. Your, your kids wouldn't let you. There'd be no way. You, Go work for an adult if you want to slack off. Anyway, Alina Morse, Alina Morse, at just 13 years old, she is running a multi-million dollar candy company, Zolly Pops. Zolly Pops. And she got them into Whole Foods around the country. They're sugar-free. And uh, they're sold in more than 7,500 stores. She employs six full-time employees and a handful of independent contractors her sales are projected to be five to six million dollars this year, and her parents now work for her. And this other kid, twelve-year-old Owen Samos, um, came up with 
a chalk-based paint that was much easier to clean up than spray paint. But unfortunately, it was too expensive. So he kind of messed around with this for a while, came up with his own concoction called Squid Ink, which saved him so much money on paint supplies. He was buying old pieces of furniture and then refinishing them and then reselling them. And so now he's got a furniture flipping company and he's also got this Squid Ink. Um, and it's just, it's wild. And these kids are doing really, really good. And what the parents say is this really teaches the kids how to cope with and embrace failure, right? Because it's rare for any entrepreneur to get it right on the first try. They have to be willing to fail and be brave enough to, you know, get up and try again. Uh, ability to deal with rejection, right? One mom said, you know, trying to sell, sell something to people who are rejecting what you're offering is depressing and disappointing. Um, so you really have to, you know, you learn really quick how to deal with that. And when one of these little kids was asked if she was scared to start her own company, she said, I really didn't see the risk because I felt like I had nothing to lose (laughs) (laughs) from the mouths of babes. That's right. That's awesome. That's just awesome. I love that story. That is awesome. That is awesome. And these, you know, it's it's great that these kids are doing this. And uh, now cynics, the cynics would say, well, sure, they got their parents to back them up. So what's the risk? There is no risk. (laughs) (laughs) And they got the Internet. You know, the Internet allowed this. And uh, but that it just shows you it just shows you what a fountain of effervescence of creativity is. Gilder might say. Mm hmm. Yeah, we just and and we've got got to encourage more of this stuff. And instead, you know, we have regulations like the lemonade stand thing shutting pe- kids down who try, try to do anything entrepreneurial. But anyway, I, I guess if they employ themselves, there's no such thing as child labor laws, I, right? Yeah. And how does it work <laughs> with the parents? Is there hour restrictions? And if you employ your parents, I... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mom, get back to work. <laughs> uh, no minimum wage. For yeah, you. really. <laughs> crazy crazy well great stuff all right ron this this is a really good one i bet you have this somewhere uh, russ roberts who was on our show what two weeks ago three weeks ago uh, d- wrote a great piece that appeared on his medium.com site yes about do the rich capture all the gains from economic growth and while I had seen many of these different studies in various different places, Roberts puts them together in one fantastic article. And in typical Russ Roberts style, just destroys the thinking of these you know, folks like Piketty and Saez and uh, Zuckman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a the, the quote here from them about this income and, you know, the so-called income inequality or wealth inequality, you know, that and that keeps flip flopping, too. Right. Yes. Which what what they use is sometimes it's income inequality is the problem. Oh, no, no, it's not that it's wealth inequality. Wealth. Right. So, the, yeah. Yep. So it's they and they 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 jump back and forth and never you know tie down to one specific thing. Anyway, this is from uh, Piketty and uh, Saez and Zuckman. Looking first at the income before taxes and transfers, income stagnated for the bottom 50% earners for this group. Average pre-tax income was $16,000 in 1980, and this is for the bottom half of the population run. Uh, $16,000 in 1980 expressed in 2014 dollars using the national economic income deflator and is still $16,200 in 2014 
they also found that incomes for the top 1%, Ron, tripled <laughs> over the same period. Bastards! <laughs> right? Bastards. And then, it, and I'm not going to read the whole article, obviously, we'll put it out there, but the biggest problem, you know, I'm trying to do my Russ Roberts imitation, but I won't do it justice. And and he's just got just actually got a great way. I can just hear it in his voice, yes. though. Yeah. Right. You know, when, when I read this article, I just hear his voice. The biggest problem with the pessimism studies is that they rarely follow the same two people um, and how they do over time. Instead, they rely on a snapshot. And these snapshots are not the same people. And then he points to some data here that I'll, I'll uh, talk to you about. Uh, this is from the a Pew Charitable Trust study conducted by Leonardo Lepo and Thomas uh, Delier. Delier. Let's see. That would be Delier. I'm trying to get my remember my French. Anyway, they say 93% of the children in the poorest households, the bottom 20%, surpassed their parents' income, but only 70% of those in the top quintile exceeded their parents' income. And I can just hear the cynics. Well, yeah, you know, because... But, <laughs> But the seventy percent still got past their parents and of the top quintile, right? Okay, yeah, right. But it's still ninety three percent of the bottom, right? And then there's another study done by Chetty, uh, and, and this one found that seventy percent of the children born in nineteen eighty into the bottom decile, so that's one, that's lowest tenth, lowest tenth exceeded their parents' income in 2014, but for those born in the top 10%, only 33% exceeded their parents' income. Anyway, this article just goes on and on and on. It talks about like f f families, then it talks about the individuals versus households. Oh, yeah. There's some great studies in here just debunking this whole thing. Okay, so the bottom line is, yes, the rich are getting richer, but the poor are also getting richer, also ha most of the time quicker than the rich that are, that are, get, that are getting rich. So uh, we'll post a link up to this article. And thanks, of course, to Russ Roberts for a great piece of writing that just destroys this this terrible, horrible meme out there that the that that makes us think that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And it's it's because the rich are getting richer that the the poor are getting poorer. It's just nonsense. Yeah, that, you know, Gilder points out in his book, Wealth and Poverty, that the idea that the rich get rich and the poor get poor, and that's the reason the poor get poor, right? Because mm -hmm. he said that's believed in two places, in prison and in the faculty at Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, you know, Ed, going back to, like, you know, we talked about the trade statistics, right, and whether or not they do more harm than good. And I just mm -hmm. wonder, some of these income statistics, they can be so tortured, and you can get them to scream anything. Mm -hmm. uh, because just looking at individual income versus household is a massive difference. One, households have been shrinking. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing is, when you look at households, th the question is, how many people in the household work? If you look at the top quintile, Right. Practically all of them do, whereas in the bottom quintile, practically, you know, it might be like 0.4% of them do on average. Mm -hmm. it, it just those things make a massive difference in these statistics. And they are they're completely static. They don't follow people, individuals. There have been some longitudinal studies that have tried to follow people through time. Mm 
mm-hmm. to kind of track through mobility, but it's really hard to do. I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, a lifetime. You got to track somebody for 50 years because, right. y- you know, if you're just pulling data off tax returns, I can sell my house in one year or a business and look like I'm in the top, you know, 1%. Mm-hmm. And, and the rest of the time, I could be a pauper for all you. And so it's just there's it's just fraught with data collection errors. <laughs> oh yeah, and then the other thing that he points out in this article, which I think is just brilliant, is that is the fact. Well, people, especially when with the households, people say, yeah, well, yeah, but you know the the now the households now include these two income earners, right? Mm-hmm. And because because now now that you know the 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 both spouses have to work. And then he quickly points out, he says, yeah, but the divorce rate is up. So, right. so, so there's significantly more one, one income households because of that. So anyway, just a, a great, great piece by Russ Roberts and, and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, uh, to talk to him about this someday, get him back on the show, but this is just a great piece. Awesome. Well, I can't believe this is flying by as always on Free Rider Friday. And folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to send an email to myself or Ed, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. We will have full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are Leading Results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And free riding here on Friday on The Soul of Enterprise. And Ron, I forgot to mention in the opening that that also yesterday I had the honor of going to visit with our 
twice guest on our show, Father Robert Sirico, who was here in Dallas mm -hmm. at an Acton Institute event. So pretty pleased to be able to see him. And I, I walked on up to him and he recognized me and, and <laughs> asked how you were doing. So we're, 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 we're in the, in the know. It was a lot of fun to talk to him and, and, uh, said, I really want to do a show with, with both, uh, he and, and Dan Lappin, uh, Daniel Lappin. And he's like, yeah, sign me up. So let's see if we can get that done. All right. That's, that's great. That would be yep. awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right, what do you got? All right, Ed, this is from John Tamney, uh, an economics writer I really like. He's written some great books. He he writes for Fee, so this is out of Fee. And it's New York Times columnist wants a Jeff Bezos without all the wealth creation. So this guy from the New York Times, Farhard Manju, technology writer for New York Times, writes that Jeff Bezos should spend his vast fortune pushing for a society where no one can ever become as rich as Jeff Bezos is now. Mm -hmm. So what uh, Tammy says about this, he says, you know, ask, ask themselves those of, you know, that hate income inequality or wealth inequality to forever renounce their laptop, smartphone, high-speed Wi-Fi, the future promise of 5G, he said, because of all these things, wealth inequality is going to grow and grow. It's going to get even bigger. And he said, that's wonderful because life will get better as the super talented are able to reach more and more of the world with their genius. The Internet is most certainly the biggest driver of rising wealth inequality in the world and nothing else comes close. Um, and he said, would, would Manju blanch at a mass produced cancer cure? If he knew the creator would earn billions for creating it, what about a cure for paralysis? Um, and he says, goes on to say, Manju claims that Mr. Bezos' extreme wealth is a function of the unequal impact of digital technology. But Bezos wasn't always worth billions. The majority of venture capitalists and investors who either passed on backing Amazon, right? I mean, there are a lot of this that told yeah, him no. Yeah. Uh, he said, unequal impact of digital technology wasn't handed to Bezos. He created it. That, that's the thing that frustrates me about this whole discussion. It goes back to words, you know, wealth distribution, income distribution. Income and wealth aren't distributed. They're created. They're not dropped out of the sky by some benevolent helicopter. The whole, the whole framing and narrative is just really annoying. Um, he says, rising inequality in terms of wealth is a sign of shrinking lifestyle inequality between the rich and poor. He says, Manju ignores that money on its own has no uses. Money is only useful insofar as it can be exchanged for goods and services. Um, and, and he says, even if Bezos drops all of his billions into the poorest parts of the world from helicopters, those dollars will only be useful to the poor to the extent that the future Bezos is getting filthy rich serving them. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Mic it's, drop on that uh, one. Yep. Yeah. Tamney's got just, he's wonderful with words. He's a great writer. I really enjoy his stuff. But I just, I'm so sick of this. You know, the fact that Bezos is rich is not impacting your lifestyle at all. If anything, it's increasing it. Was was he the guy who who posited? And I think I've brought this up on a show before. I can't remember. Uh, but it, it, that uh, if you if you don't, want income inequality don't read to your kids right yeah yeah he probably it sounds like something he'd say yep okay yeah because <laughs> you know if you're giving your kids an unfair advantage unfair advantage absolutely absolutely so, 
don't read to your kids by all means. If you're if you are concerned about income inequality or wealth uh, inequality, the in- inequitable distribution of wealth, then by all means, please don't read to your kids. Don't want to give them a head start. That would be bad. You already gave them a head start by having them be born in America. So that's already bad enough. Oh, no, no. About that. I have such guilt over that, Ron. You have no idea. A lot of people huh. do. Remember Phil Donnie used to talk about all the time. He's, I was born close to the border, just a few miles the other way, and my life would have been totally different. Well, okay, show gratitude for that. But, right. But to walk around with guilt and, and think you can do something about it, what you need to do about it is help these other countries become rich. Yeah. It's just, it's maddening. Seager, this did come up with Sirico too, by the way, and he he basically gave the same answer. He said, you know, it, it, even even if you you take, and you know, I love that he calls it avarice versus greed, right? Yes, it's just yes. a much better word. It is. He says, even if you take avarice as, a, as one of the seven deadly sins, which it is, and we're talking about people who just have a, a, a complete materialist view of the world and want more and more and more. You know, Scrooge McDuck, McDuck bathing in, in his gold bullion, right? That kind of thing he says isn't there an equal and probably disproportionately large sin on the other side called envy Mm, yep absolutely (laughs) well i think envy is far more powerful than avarice Mm -hmm. in terms of in in terms of its destructive power yeah oh absolutely absolutely but you know as as talib points out in i think this is in the latest book i'm pretty sure it might be in one of his earlier ones but he says you know and and who are the people who are complaining about this it's not the people who are at the bottom Mm-mm. right that's the weird part it's the the academics at the middle right and i think he, he makes the point you know that, that the silver medalist hates the gold medalist at the olympics <laughs> but the guy who came in 50 is just happy to be there right right, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and and, and, and what I what I love about that is is look you know and I think this was in in um, the 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 book uh, the Norberg might have been Norberg mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. where he where he says you know the people people he asks people at the bottom what they want they want a nicer car they want a reliable car right yep. they don't want to have to they don't want to own a Tesla as well they they just want a car that works yep you know so that that ten percent growth among the people who are at the bottom 10% is yes, it's smaller in total dollars, but it's much more important than the 10% growth in the people who are at the top. Yep. They're not comparing it to their neighbors. They're comparing it to their own station. And as long as that's improving, that's what they care about. And, and that passes right. the smell test. Cause look at the, look at the quality of life, look at the standard of living, look what people consume, Look what they have. You know, you can measure this all sorts of ways, air conditioning, TVs, phones, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that this is measured from the consumption index standpoint. And there's no doubt that life is getting better in terms of a material standard. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. All All right, right. Ed, what you got? Well, okay. So this one, uh, this is a, a lawsuit that's been filed against LaCroix. I think, I think that's how you pronounce it. That's how I would say it. Recrawling my French. This is two stories in a row that have French in them, Ron. This is weird. All right. (laughs) So look, they are defended in a lawsuit because they say they're 100% natural. You see, Right? right? So this Lenore Rice is the lead plaintiff in a class action suit because she did some research and found out that there are some compounds in there. Um, ethyl, 
uh, uh, butanate, uh, lemonine, linalool, linalool, and linalool probate, probinate. Okay. Yep. So I'm like, dang, that's, you know, sounds nasty. For example, um, limonene, limonene can, can cause cancer, uh, in, and toxicity in kidneys, right? Uh, linalool is used as a cockroach insecticide, right? <laughs> but, but the good news is for LaCroix that uh, linalool propentanate is also a cancer treatment. But, like, what the hell is this doing in 100% natural, you know, sparkling water? Right. Well, it seems you see that popular science looked into these chemical compounds and found that all of these are naturally occurring mm. chemicals, <laughs> you see. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay lenore (laughs) lenora rice give me a break on this i mean just shut up and sit down i mean enough and this is actually a lawsuit that some lawyer has brought oh yeah yeah. you see this is the kind of stuff where that should not only be thrown out but the 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 attorney bringing that type of a suit should be fined Mm mm-hmm uh, it's you know Ed. I've got a story in my other stack. There's a woman who makes ginger ale. Is it Schweppes? Um, or I know it's made by a lot, but yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the big it's ones. Schweppes ginger ale. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's suing because it doesn't have ginger in it. And she's got a lawsuit against them for this. And and I, I got news for her. I don't think it has ale in it either. What's next? <laughs> Are we going to sue Dr Pepper because it doesn't have a doctor in it? Or we're going to sue Coke? <laughs> We're going to sue Coke because the date doesn't have any Coke in it. <laughs> you thought I was buying Coke. It, this this kind of stuff just drives me crazy. <sighs> this is the loss of common sense. These people need help, Ron. They really seriously need some help. I mean, it's just absurd. Wild. Anyway, that, that was in, in uh, Reason from Reason.com. So I figured I'd throw that one out there at you. Okay, cool. Um, well, I, you know, I, I just read this uh, before we went live, and I just have to bring it up because this has kind of been a theme on the show. But um, Goodwill, the, the, the Schumpeter and The Economist has a whole column on Goodwill. Ed, I didn't realize it. Goodwill on, on all firms listed balance sheets, $8 trillion. Wait, what? Eight trillion dollars worldwide is on balance sheets of public companies worldwide. Public, I was going to say, for, okay, for, public for, companies for goodwill. That compares, by the way, to fourteen trillion in physical assets. Now, <laughs> you, could, you, you now you can imagine the, big, you, <laughs> the biggest goodwill carriers are deal junkies, right? AT and T has one hundred and forty-three billion. Anheuser Busch InBev has one hundred and thirty-seven billion. General Electric has eighty-two billion. Even Berkshire Hathaway. Has eighty-one billion. Apple has little because they don't they don't do big deals. Um, the International Accounting Standards Board is now uh, going to reframe on how to account for this. There's going to be an impairment test. So uh, if it's adjusted down, it's going to hit the income statement. You know, it used to be written off like over thirty years. Okay. I think prior to the two thousands. Now it's subject to an impairment test, which, by the way, is completely subjective. <laughs> 
and because because why? Because value is subjective, and that's why we have goodwill in the first place. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm not done with this story, but I, we're up against it again on time. And uh, just like to remind you folks, if you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at asktsoe or asktsoe at verisage.com, and please check out the Patreon site. Uh, and that's uh, tsoe.com slash patron. And that'll take you to our Patreon site where you can get our bonus episodes and other things we do. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash U.S forward slash S-O-E. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of October. And Ed, just let me finish off this Goodwill story. Um, no, this is so good, Rod. <laughs> you know, I'm whole, just loving this. Just let's just remind people it's eight bill, eight trillion, right? Eight, eight trillion on balance trillion. sheets. On balance sheets, as compared to how how much in physical trillion, assets? trillion. Right, so basically, basically, almost fifty percent of, of this is we don't know the where the hell this is. It's just guess. Okay, right. got it. All right. Got so it. the top for the top five hundred European and top five hundred American firms by market value, cumulative goodwill write-offs over the past ten years amounted to six hundred and ninety billion. First off, this blows any idea of comparability with financial statements. You can just throw that whole thing out. We spend so much time talking about comparability. It's pure crap uh, because a firm that's built through acquisitions is going to have a bloated asset base. As a result, its ratio of debt to assets is going to look healthier. It's going to have a lower return on equity compared to a company like Apple that doesn't grow through acquisitions, mm -hmm. right? Right. 
So there's that problem. One utopian answer is for the goodwill uh, for all companies to recognize all of their intangible assets on the balance sheet. And this was actually discussed by bankers at Jackson Hole, you know, their big meeting, powwow in Jackson Hole, Wyoming or whatever. Uh, and this is this would be a disaster because then you're just allowing firms to constantly estimate their own market value. Uh, which duplicates the job of what investors are supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, and that's not what accounting was designed to do. G- gap is a measure of past transactions. It, it can say nothing about future value, as we've discussed a million times. Like Paul O'Byrne's, Paul O'Byrne, our, our deceased colleague, used to say, goodwill is what it, the word that accountants use to describe their ignorance. I love um, that. But, you know, this this um, basically the economist says, look, the status quo is probably about the best you're going to do. Anything else you do is going to involve some type of spurious precision. Spurious. <laughs> and they're right. Spurious precision. So just thought that. But, yeah, it, it, it's amazing how much. And, and, you know, I reject this framing anyway. Accountants tend to divide the world into tangible and intangible. And that's as that's as dodgy as goods and services, right? Because I, I don't think the world's that clear cut. That's why I kind of prefer materialist and spiritual, but, or intellectual capital, because so much of this is just subjective that there's no way Gap can deal with it at all. We shouldn't be asking Gap to do anything. That's the well, stock market's job. I, I always found the, the the phrase intangible asset to be hysterical, Right. I mean, it's, yep. a, it's, it's an oxymoron. I mean, it, I mean, it, intangible means not able to be touched, not able to be felt, not able to be understood. And it's like, OK, so what? So it's really it's our just our best guess. And they're like, no, 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 no. There's real value. Well, I know. Of course, there's real value. I'm not saying that it's not real value. But if you don't, you're saying I don't know what it is. And then I'm going to say I know what it is. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, and and we're gonna let you tell us what it is year to year, and if it you know it, it's very rarely written up, it's always impaired, it's always written down, which affects the income statement. It takes the hit right away, and so investors have to kind of back that out. And there's a lot of talk that you know a lot of investor an- analysts don't properly account for goodwill differences between the. That's another thing that blows apart comparability. So anyway, uh, enough of enough of that. That's wonkish enough. <laughs> well, it is wonkish, but it's it's also hysterically funny and and very germane to what we see going on and ver- to, to this show. I mean, that's this is this is who we are. That's what we're saying is that there's this, this spiritual component to business and it's not measurable. No kidding. Right. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, I got a really quick one, Ron, but I want to get it in there just because it really struck me as I you know, what I the way I prepare for for this show mostly is I, I go through I, I use a, an app uh, called Feedly. That mm-hmm. goes through lots of blogs and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I have a little setup. So it's just a one button thing that dumps it out to my free rider Friday stack in, in Evernote. Right. <clears throat> and uh, I do that primarily in the morning. Usually when like the kids are getting ready for school and stuff, I'm just kind of flipping through these articles and I, you know, go through probably a hundred or so of them every morning. But, uh, this one just struck me a couple days ago when I read it. So actually it was yesterday morning. looks like that. I, this came here and this is, this is from, uh, Cafe Hayek, so Don Boudreaux's uh, blog. And you know how he does these quotations of the day? Yes. Right? So this one is from an 1885 book. 1885. Love it. Yep. All right? Called Protectionism, the ism which teaches that waste makes wealth. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. It's right out of Bastia. That's great. Yes, this is right. Okay. Well, William Graham Sumner, 1885 mm. book. All right. So mm. here's the quote from chapter three of that book. And again, my thanks to to Donald Boudreaux for pointing this out. So he says the 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 con contact of trade solely saps old national prejudice and religious and race hatreds. The jealousies which are perpetrated by distance and ignorance cannot stand before contact and knowledge to stop trade is to arrest this beneficent work to separate mankind into sections, factions, and to, to favor discord, jealousy, and war. Mm. Love That's it. just beautiful. It is. <laughs> Isn't he the guy, Ed, that came up with the forgotten man line? Isn't that uh, his poem? Yeah, Sumner. Uh, that's, that Sumner. does sound familiar. Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, is, yeah. or is he the guy who said uh, what what you can get A to do for B with C, or, you know, something like yeah. that, but it, where A spends B's money for C or something? I think <laughs> I that might that be a Sumner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. One of those, but yeah, that that is great. Yeah, I I love those quotes that uh, Boudreaux comes up with. He he was he was great to have on the show and be able to talk with him. Yep, yep, good stuff. Well, all right, Ed, all right. I have to do this just in, in just for full, you know, roundabout. Um, well, not roundabout, but just full disclosure, and, and it's a topic that um, we've dealt with before. But this is mm-hmm. just just corroborates it even more. There's a new book out. The personality brokers. No, I'm not going to start banging my head against the wall. No, no, no. You're going to love this. <laughs> it talks about the pop psychology product. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, know thyself, you know. Um, right. And and this guy, this book just came out by Merv Emery, I think. It's going to be published in Britain, by the way. Uh, and, I, and I like this title better rather than the personality brokers in Britain. It's going to be called What's Your Type? No. <laughs> and um, in the book, the, he gives the cultural history of uh, the personality assessment industry, and she really focuses on Myers-Briggs. So the, this is the work of a singular mother and a daughter, right? Pair of amateur right. psychologists. Briggs graduated top of her class from Michigan Agricultural College, now Michigan State University. Myers, the daughter, Isabel, accomplished the same thing at uh, Swarthmore. Um, they came up with their 16 personality tests. Now I, I didn't, I had forgotten about this. I think this is in the other gals book, but in 1959, Briggs Meyer came under the pre purview of the educational testing service, ETS publishers mm, of the SAT. Okay. Uh, and they started calling it personology <laughs> and then they got really disenchanted with it. And her colleagues at ETS deemed it little better than a horoscope. <laughs> <laughs> and they ditched it in 1975. Okay. It, and they said, you know, it gives a phony sense of selfhood, its susceptibility to gaming, but its popularity endures. Um, and the author says that's because it offers a double hit of narcissism and community. <laughs> uh, it's a rush of self-discovery <laughs> and the cheerful lull of self self-acceptance, but also the comfort of solidarity. That is right on. I believe that a big part of the reason these companies do these things is because they can put people in a room. It's very congenial. They have a good time, you know, and and it bonds people. You you could, you could have them play poker, 
Right. But but you wouldn't get the same effect because it you know it doesn't tag you. I mean, this tags you and it's something that you can display prominently and be proud of and put on your profile page. It's just this is just nonsense. I just yeah, this is just another great uh looks like a great book um that just takes this whole thing down. Takedown of it. Love it. Love it. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it, it's and it's it just still crops up everywhere. Like it just little pieces of everywhere. Everywhere. It's like whack-a-mole. I, I'm telling you. Every time I, I think we're starting to make progress on this, some some other Nimrod will put up, oh, I just did the Myers Brig. Nailed me. Nailed me. <laughs> yeah, nailed me. Nailed me. Nailed me. <laughs> uh, uh, then I had my, I had home and my wife take it. Holy cow. Oh, stupid, stupid stuff. All right. I got a, another, another quick one here. We're trying to get some quick hits in here before the, our, our, our last break, but this uh, let's file this one under, uh, under the, you know, Gilder told you so. Okay. Right? And I'm sure you've heard this. I just wanted to, to bring it out and just ch- you know chat with it about you for a second. But, uh, this is, uh, Facebook's is, is having a problem with too much centralization online. I don't know if you saw this, but some 50 million accounts are uh, known to be affected by a, a vulnerability which allowed um, other third-party uh, parties from going in and, and basically stealing the data. Creates, you know, these. This is where you get these shadow profiles from, right? Right. right. So that they can create for, to, the the creation of a political bias, right? Mm-hmm. And this is as has existed since July of 2017 before being discovered on September 25th of this year. Right. So almost uh, over a year. Uh, but these 40 million accounts were thought to be at risk. So it might be that night that 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 Facebook is going to have to to lock or they did. I'm sorry. They made a decision to lock 90 million accounts out of their profiles while they created a fix for this, because this is the, what they believe to be these shadow profiles that have been created for now for for years and years and years. Um, so under the heading of, you know. Gilda told you so that this is going to continue to be a problem. I see the, the definition of a five-star book, right, Ron? One that changes the way that you perceive the world. Yep. And certainly that's what what uh, Life After Google has done for me because now these stories come in and I'm like, ah, okay, I see this differently than I would have five months ago. And, and it's so funny, Ed, because in my stack, and, it, and it's, a, it's a long one. I don't know if I'm even going to get to it today, but it, The Economist, in, they do a quarterly technology survey. Mm-hmm. And in their September issue, it was all about two things, cryptocurrency and blockchain. And they have turned completely skeptical. More on Bitcoin and crypto than blockchain, but they're also big skeptics about blockchain. It's not ready for prime time. It's been hyped and oversold. Pro- uh, companies are abandoning their projects. I think Stripe is one that tried it and said this is completely a waste of time and gave up. And mm-hmm. there's, there's been some other issues with blockchain, and it's just it's not there yet. And they don't know if it will ever be there, uh, except for you know very specific things and and private permission permission based blockchains, but not something like as grand as is uh, what Bitcoin's based on. It was just really pessimistic. Mm. I was really I was really surprised and um, kind of wanted to share it with you, but I, I don't know if I, it, it's it's a long one. It would probably take the entire next segment um, to go through if if we did it. But it's but they make some interesting points and and points that even Gilder brought up in his book. 
mm-hmm. right? He brought up the guy who was very uh, down on on blockchain. Says time to close up the conferences and you know pack up mm-hmm. and go home. Um, so it's interesting that they're starting to become now a, a, a backlash. Sure. Sure. Well, I think we should probably say that one for the the uh, the Patreon site, Ron. So if you were interested in listening to our conversation on that, you'll have to head on over to Patreon and and subscribe to our bonus episodes as well as our the 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 uh, episodes without commercial interruption. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of October. And Ed, in the September 1st issue of The Economist, they have a leader, Peak Valley. And they're talking about Silicon Valley as it mm. reached its peak. And, you know, people say, oh, well, like Silicon Valley is like Florence in the Renaissance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously home to three of the world's five most valuable companies, right? Apple, mm-hmm. Facebook, Google. Uh, and now the Bay Area, which they have stretched the definition now of Silicon Valley up to San Francisco, which is fair because Uber, Airbnb, Salesforce, you know, they're all up there in the, in San Francisco. Um, it's got the 19th largest economy in the world, <laughs> ranking above Switzerland and Saudi Arabia. Um, but last year, uh, more Americans left the county of San Francisco than arrived. Uh, and 34% say in a survey that they plan to leave in the future. So off Silicon Valley is, is, is kind of a new term. Peter Thiel is moving to LA and, um, 
it, it, it's just it goes on to you know talk about the cost of living is the highest in the world. Uh, it, it it costs four times more for a startup to run in the Bay Area, and it goes on to talk about you know clogged traffic and the syringes and Kaufman Foundation, which is a nonprofit group that tracks entrepreneurship, ranks Miami, Fort Lauderdale area for as first in the country for startup activity. Uh, Phoenix and Pittsburgh are behind it because they kind of do a, a lot with autonomous vehicles. New York for media startups and um, London for fintech and Shenzhen for hardware. Uh, and it just goes on to talk about, you know, um, <laughs> it's it's kind of lost some of its luster. They say, you know, the garage, which Hewlett uh, Packard started in in 1939, is now a private museum. Um, but a similar home sold for 2.4 or $2 million, uh, which is outrageous. Cause if you ever saw that Euler Packard home with the garage, it, I mean, it's small <laughs> and these things are going for $2 million. And, um, you know, somebody said, how are you supposed to have a startup in a garage if the garage costs millions of dollars? <laughs> uh, average home costs 940,000. Um, you know, and they, they, they talk about, um, you know, if you're a young tech worker, you might get uh, a little bit sick of uh, coming home and walking through feces and discarded needles and being accosted by homeless people to go up to your $4,000 a month, one room flat. Um, you know, there might be better places to live might, you know, pop into your mind. Um, the other thing that I found absolutely fascinating was they talked about, um, you know, because the Valley is so dominated by these bigger companies, they can pay handsomely. So it's getting harder and harder to lure talent into startup. You know, startups at one time were sexy and yeah, you took a risk, but the upside was so great. Ed, in 2017, Alphabet, Apple, and Facebook issued $16.2 billion in stock-based compensation. And the median, median means half above, half below compensation at Facebook is 240 grand. Nice. And 200 grand at Alphabet. <clears throat> and so that makes it very hard for these startups to, to lure, you know, some of these engineers no and programmers and everything else. So, um, and they also talked about immigration, how immigration is going to impact the Valley, you know, because it's so dependent upon uh, immigration, like one fourth of the startups are started by immigrants and what there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that. Um, and so they say, you know, basically the Valley's going to become an idea instead of a place. It's always going to be important. It's got great universities. It's still got a culture, you know, all of that. But the kind of point of the article was there's going to be other outposts that are going to start to be serious alternatives to starting your business in the in the Silicon Valley. And you know what? I look at that and think that's great. That that tells you that <laughs> we're we're just getting wealthier. Yep. No, that's a great, it's a great thing. And then not to mention Israel, right? Yes. They didn't talk much about Israel, but, uh, you know, they talked about Portland, Oregon. They talked about Austin, Texas. They talked about mm -hmm. Vancouver, London, Berlin, all of these places and Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, are, are ranking really high in startup and entrepreneurial activity. I mean, compared to where they were, obviously, but, right. um, it's still, it's still, uh, that's a good thing. I mean, I, you know, that's competition. And and plus California's driving them away. <laughs> we, well, make I saw, so, we make it so hard for them. 
you know. Oh, I saw saw a story this morning in my feed. I didn't didn't highlight it, but I just remember it that you know t- talks about there's controversy over a an apartment building that's being built that is where where an apartment built building was and burned down. Mm-hmm. And but the but the locals are all enraged. <laughs> Wait a minute. There was an apartment building here, and now we're going to put up another one because the first one burned down. But no, 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 we can't have that. Like, well, what is wrong with you people? And and then I mean, they wonder why these houses are so expensive. Yeah, yeah. No, mad Try restrict restrict supply and see what happens to prices. Yeah, it's shocking. I know yeah. it's crazy, crazy. Cool. All right, well. Hey, I got one here that we talked a little bit about. You and I did briefly yesterday when we we chatted. But uh, this is this involves two of our previous guests, and that is John Stossel and Johan Norberg. Mm. Stossel did a brief uh, five minute piece on his channel that he does that highlights a, a longer video that Johan Norberg has done for a choose free to choose TV. That's where. The, the stuff that Milton Friedman stuff all went up. I think it's a foundation that runs yep, that now. It is, yeah. Um, so any, anyway, Norberg now has one about uh, this called about Sweden and socialism, right? And it just you know, because of the, the, the folks here in, in the U.S. like to talk about, you know, democratic socialism. And then if you dare bring up, well, you mean Venezuela? They're like, no, 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 no. We were never in favor of Venezuela. But meanwhile, they were. But of okay. Right. Mm. Okay. So fine. They're like, no, no, no. Sweden, Sweden. We're in. It's like you know the 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 Nordic states. So, and Norwich says, you know, there's a dirty little secret here in in Sweden is that we don't take from the rich and give to the poor. He says we squeeze the poor because the rich might leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he says there are some people who pay up to sixty percent in taxes who earn below average income. Yeah. That are still paying sixty percent in taxes. And oh, by the way. They also have a tremendous school voucher program. Yep. That there's there, every where every every child is given a voucher to go to the school of their choice, right? And there was one other one too. I can't think of it. But, but it was like, wait a minute here. This is this. So if when next time the you know the burners start talking about, hey, you know, we want this democratic socialism like Sweden, you're like, oh, great. You want to have sixty percent taxes on the poor and 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 school vouchers. Well, no. Well, that's what Sweden has. <laughs> but they do have health care, Ed. And I think oh, the other health care. The other big thing too is they have they have very little tariffs. I mean, they have pure, almost pure free trade, if I remember right. Yep. Yep. You know, it's incredibly it's low on that type of stuff. And uh, you know, of course, the only reason why they have their 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 Healthcare is because we, you know, the, the, their defense policy is the we agree to let the United States defend us, and we'd agree agree to do it. Sure, sure, yeah, and and like he says, they got rich by adopting free market capitalism. So, yep, but, um, yep. Wow, I can't I, this. I can't believe it. We're done. We're done. We're done. So, I know. Ugh, what's next week, Ron? Next week, as, the as great. If I didn't know. Yeah, I know the great Walter Williams. I, I am put that right up there with Thomas Sowell for me because these two guys, I just love these two guys. I love Walter Williams. He's a kick. Uh, That's going to be a great show, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours.
This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. You're not going to want to miss this show, the one and only, and the great Walter Williams. Uh, in the meantime, check out full show notes at soulofenterprise.com and also shoot Ed or myself an email at asktsoe at barrisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.